Welcome to Campaigns and Confetti with your hosts, Scarlett Rozier and Karen McKenzie, co-founders of Rhyme and Reason Design. We'll talk shop with some seriously awesome community champions and cover the bases on what makes a city rock. So grab a cupcake and get comfy. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. Karen McKenzie here with Scarlett Rozier. Today we have Kristen Brown. Kristen Brown is the Community Communications Coordinator for the City of Oregon City, just outside of Portland. She has over 10 years of community engagement experience, ranging from special events and festivals to communication campaigns. She can tell harrowing stories of food trucks catching on fire, frantically leading a 300-person parade, and building communication channels where there were none before. She appreciates a great tagline, clean branding, and loves when she can use an emoji to express her feelings. (laughs) Um, So welcome, Kristen. Thank you. So happy to be here. Yeah. So we go way back with Kristen all the way to the city of Round Rock, Texas. Uh, We have had, yeah, had the joy of working with you at Oregon City as well. Absolutely. Up here in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. Can you tell our audience a little bit about your city? Sure. So Oregon City is kind of a suburb of Portland, although they would never tell you that. They're a community of 30,000 and their community is evolving and changing because of the um, housing market. So they've got a lot of folks that are moving to the Pacific Northwest, um, a bigger influx in the last three years. And they're finding Oregon City, City of West Lynn, Tigert, um, all cities that are housed within Clackamas County as good options for family wage jobs and for more affordable housing. So the parallels between Oregon City and Round Rock are, are pretty strong, except the city of Round Rock was 100,000 people. And so Oregon City is, is just 30, so a little bit smaller. It's got room to grow. That's good. It's It's got room to grow. Absolutely. It's got a very... Um, historical feeling as well. We're the first established city in the Pacific Northwest that we've got a lot of firsts here. So there were a lot of things that attracted me to the city specifically, and I'm still learning all kinds of cool, fun stuff about Oregon I City. I imagine like how to say Clackamas. I know. <laughs> I was going to ask, do you have a favorite mispronunciation of that word? Oh, I, my favorite is Willamette because it's some people call it Willamette um, or Will. Oh, I, I can't see. I don't even let my brain go to the mispronunciations but because is, if I think about it, it'll come right, back and it's to me. Willamette, right? It's Willamette, damn it. It All is. Right. See, we didn't know that until you moved there. I was, I've, been <laughs> saying, I've been saying it wrong for years. <laughs> That's what I'm here for, to help you order your wine Thank easier. You. I appreciate that. <laughs> so, Kristen, although you just moved there, what would be Oregon City's Paramount event? And how are they currently marketing it? And do you get to help change up the marketing since you're the new guru in town? Well, I would say the Paramount event is our event in downtown Oregon City, and it is the 5K adventure run for the Oregon Trail. 
So Oregon City is the last city on the real deal Oregon Trail. So you started in Missouri, got into your covered wagons, forded a ton of rivers, (laughs) (laughs) fought diphtheria and cholera, and and (laughs) you ended in Oregon City where you got your land grants. And so uh, maybe it was close to six years ago, there were some organizers that came in that said, hey, we need to capitalize on this amazing game that kids in the 80s got to play and also turn it into a run, a fun run in a race. So when you sign up, you get to be a character. And as you're going on this run, you kind of reach different points in your race where you potentially uh, could lose all of your supplies and have to turn back around (laughs) or you could break a leg (laughs) Um, or you could, you could pass freely. So it's, it's an adventure race through and through for all ages. And they've had great success. I would say in the last five or six years where, where I come into play is I am doing city communications So my hope with them is expanding the reach um, and providing kind of those feel good moments of those runners that are going through town, um, hurtling these challenges. But then also at the end of the day, maybe they're down at the brewery grabbing a beer. Maybe they've settled at the end of the Oregon Trail Interpretive Center with their family and they're doing a tour to learn more about the history. So my role is a little bit to kind of fill in some of those pieces. And then also the very unsexy side of, um, hey, heads up, there are street closures because of this race. So how to make that fun and interesting and exciting for our residents so that way they know not to drive downtown if they don't want to get, you know, interrupted by a herd of runners. For, for your unsexy part of this experience or any of them, um, have you found anything to be what really gets people's attention, even for the least sexy things? <laughs> um, humor is always a great um, crutch for Kristen Brown. She loves a good dad joke. So anytime I can go to jokes.com and find something about leaves falling and we need to prune our trees. Um, you know, we recently found in our library that a lot of uh, toys were being like snotted on and left. Oh. So they created a lick bucket. Oh. So any toys that had potentially been licked could go into this bucket. Um, so I had some good puns there. Um, so humor for sure is my crutch. Uh, the other uh, <laughs> most important thing is anything that's visually appealing. So anything that looks spiffy and fine, if we've got a nice photograph that works. And then anything that moves, of course, will get people's attention. So anything video or animated that um, we can provide as a piece of communication really gets much better reach than something that's static. Now that I know way too much about the lick bucket, and if I ever see one <laughs> at a library, I will step away very slowly. 
It doesn't mean you should lick what's in the bucket. That's we did have yeah, to clarify. Now we know. That. Now we know. <laughs> um, do you have any other outside of the box, maybe outside the bucket ideas um, that are budget friendly <laughs> for communities, whether they're event related or city related, or you know, just making people's lives better in your in your community? Yeah, I always feel like the simplest ideas are the most impactful. I think a lot of people can get into a room and they can try and solve so many issues, but, or, or try to accomplish something, but the simplest message is always the easiest to get out. So dumbing it down to the level that anybody can um, appreciate and can take in really quickly to me is the easiest thing. Um, And then I would say to pair with that, leverage your partnerships because partnerships, someone's putting in just as much legwork as you are into certain projects. And sometimes your, your two forces are greater than one. Two heads are better than one. Probably bring up more puns than the other. Um, when, when you are looking for inspiration, you did say that you obviously looked online for punny jokes. Um, I'm falling dead on today. Um, (laughs) where else do you get inspiration? Um, whether in other industries or their communities within your own industry, kind of the marketing campaigns that are out there that maybe you, you kind of wished you had done or have tried to do your own variation on or just get some fun (laughs) inspiration from? Yeah. Well, okay. Well, I will let you in on a dirty secret. Um, I really, really love Yeti. Like they're an Austin brand and they've come out with this video series. They've come out with multiple video series, let me say. And they're 15 minutes, but the most recent one is this chef and forager who lost his hand in a hiking accident. And so the video series is him going out to all these different um, locations where he's fishing, but then he's also bringing the fish back or he's going on a big game hunt bringing the game back and doing a a large family meal for the guides and for the locals there. And so it just sucked me in and it really got me thinking about how we as governments or any brand really tries to show the human element to our audiences, you know, tug at the heartstrings, but then also to show that, Hey, we, we're made up of real people. And to me, watching that Yeti video was such a good example of how they didn't even do like cheeky product placements, you know, like he's fishing on a stream and then there's a Yeti cooler in the background. Yeti. <laughs> um, but they did it in an overt way that left you feeling like we're family, we care about nature, we care about preservation, and we also care about having a good time and use our products. And you too can preserve your fish for 30 days. You know, something to that effect. Right. Please, Yeti, don't sue me. I, I really do love your products. <laughs> but it's it's fascinating to me from a government communication standpoint I, we know that things 
are more easily explained in a video. So getting out of the mindset of explaining a a budget to somebody to kind of explaining holistically what our values and our mission are and how can we tell that story through a super cool video that may not even mention the budget, may not even say the word goals and priorities, but still conveys that. I'm so fascinated with the way that that whole mindset and marketing is trending. Warm, fuzzy, human. You know, actually at the beginning of the year, they did say that being human was a marketing trend for the year. So clearly Yeti is is taking notice. Um, You're talking a lot about video, which is definitely huge right now um, and Mm -hmm. has, has been for a while. So is that kind of the main piece of technology that you swear by, or are there other pieces of technology that are helping you enhance your, your job and engage the community better? Yeah, I wish I were a video guru. You know, it's one of those classes that I probably could have taken in college and just decided to take bowling instead. And now (laughs) really regret it. (laughs) We all took that one sports class. (laughs) Did you? What was yours? Mine was soccer, which was Funny because oh. I grew up playing soccer. I didn't need to learn how to play soccer, but <laughs> figured it was an easy A. I hope you got an A. I did. Although my mom, when she saw it on my transcript, was like, I just paid, you know, X number of dollars <laughs> for you to play soccer. <laughs> that was my last sports class. So the last time you went to the World Cup, did you call your mom and say, look, mom, it paid off. <laughs> I did not. I did not, but I should have missed opportunity. Scarlett, what was your, what was your blow off class? I didn't take a sports class. I, I know I'm, you know, my height has done me no good. Overachiever. I know. I I mean, I rode ponies. Like that was already (laughs) enough of a budget that my parents were having to, you know, help out with. (laughs) You didn't even take like a fairy tales and literature class or something. Um, no, I'm trying to think of what wow. I even took that would have been. I also didn't know what major rocks and jokes. No. That was a big. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm sorry to disappoint. Over to her. I also Gosh. Know, oh, I have a class I took beyond undecided because I didn't know what I, what, I, what I wanted to be when I grew up. <laughs> beyond undecided. <laughs> what are they teaching you in Florida? <laughs> Questionable things. It's Florida. (laughs) And how to play soccer. (laughs) Use sunscreen. Oh, hey. Healthy skin, healthy life. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, besides our sporting opportunities (laughs) and the fact that we all should have taken video classes and we would have been so much further along, um, (laughs) are there anything not technology-based that you've found to be really helpful, like traditional media? Mm, You know, building good relationships, obviously, with your reporters in the area, not just reporters, but again, those partnerships. Um, It's interesting coming to Oregon because there's a stronger county presence than there is a local government presence. And coming from Texas, the city was stronger than the county was. So I'm learning to reach out to those people in the county to find out who my counterpart is in various areas of 
concern, whether it's disaster management or water quality or parks um, and, and show your face. Like, I think we are locked behind our desks a lot of the time and it's difficult to you be responsible for managing a social media platform and a presence, but then also get outside of the office, shake hands, show your face, be the representative of your community. Um, so definitely having the boots on the ground, knowing your key people, showing your mug, shaking their hands, kiss their babies. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Very important. Um but then also to be socially aware of what they have going on, what they're doing and being a good partner and a good steward of the information that they provide you. So that way it's reciprocal because we are in this information of things era and to share and share alike is to me more positive. It's the the rising tides, you know, brings both of our boats Partnerships up together. Are important. Making things making things work together, knowing knowing your audience, all of those mm-hmm. things that come into play, which I have no doubt, um, even in from Texas to Oregon still matter is knowing mm-hmm. knowing who you're speaking to. Um mm-hmm. with your change in destination um and location what else have you noticed to be kind of things that maybe are are new or different because of your your area now or in the mm. past? Yeah, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Better wine. The wine. Oh, the wine is amazing. The weather is amazing. The seasons, like, did you guys know there are places? on earth where you can experience all four seasons what is that <laughs> yes Kristen, oh, I, we do that. No um, I you know it's funny the seasons thing um because I do feel like everybody I meet in this area and in this region are seasonally minded um everybody's got a green thumb you can talk to anybody about the weather and they're going to be super vested into it um, the, the parallels I see is people are very passionate about what they eat, about things being seasonal. There's definitely more of an emphasis on local here, which is really fascinating because putting my government communications geek hat on, they're not sales tax based. So in Oregon, it doesn't matter if you buy your groceries from a grocery store in your town or three towns away there's no sales tax. So to me, it's really fascinating that people are still very driven to shop local, to buy local, even though it it doesn't affect their property taxes. So um, that's been really, really fascinating. But I would say overall, there's a larger concern for the collaborative we than the individual here. Um and, and that's, you know, just like I said, in my kind of government communications nerdy world, um, but it is refreshing and it's a change because you can talk about bigger issues that affect your city and know that you have some collective buy-in. That's nice. That's, that's rewarding because you get to actually, people are listening to what you say. Sometimes you send out information. I know for me, when I send out e-blasts or e-newsletters. I always wonder if anyone reads them um, or cares. <laughs> yes. 
So I feel like the fact that people do care and are interested, even if it doesn't affect their sales tax or their bottom line, is is really rewarding. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, totally unrelated to <laughs> sales tax. Yeah, not, not super sexy. <laughs> um, but we like rewards here, um, and especially cupcakes. So oh. if you were, you know, a cupcake for the city of Oregon City was a cupcake, and you know you're getting a reward, what kind would you be, and why? Oh, easy, oh. easy. I would be <laughs> cupcakes are my language. Come on, guys. Um, there's so much seasonal fruit here. I would be a, a Oregon strawberry cupcake with vanilla frosting because strawberries are available throughout the summer. You always hear about people like, oh yeah, I just froze 30 pounds of strawberries so I can eat them during the winter time. Like it's crazy. Um, So I would totally go strawberry. I would say maybe second place might be like a, a huckleberry situation. Like, you know, a little outside of normal. Um, There is a, kind of loathe and disdain for blackberries. They are so prevalent here, but they're super invasive. So I I wouldn't go for blackberry because that would be a little touchy. But everybody <laughs> loves an Oregon strawberry. Mm. Everybody loves you an Oregon You can just send the blackberries here. I'm cool with that. I know. They're they so are. good. They are so good. Let me tell you, though, I went out and picked three pounds of blackberries, and they're a pain to pick. <laughs> Yeah. Well, they're prickly, right? Yes. And you have special gloves, but then you better make sure they're coated on both sides because when they're coated on one side, they still poke you on the top. So ladies, long sleeves, long pants, boots, gloves, sunscreen. Hello. And you are prepared for some organ blackberry picking. Now we know. I had no idea that they were invasive. Oh, they're everywhere. Yeah, just in roadsides, which is why their wildlife is very well fed. Um, (laughs) Because all the birds have copious amounts of berries and fruits to feed on. I mean, it is no, it, it really is no wonder why we had a mass exodus of people to the Pacific Northwest during the Oregon Trail times, because there, there is bounty, there is plenty in this area. So thinking about kind of the seasons and the plentifulness of the vegetation year round, it sounds like, um, Mm -hmm. how does that play into kind of how you create marketing strategies for the community and the city? Are you really focused on like seasonal, uh, communications and campaigns, or is it kind of just all year round you're talking, you know, about similar things or how is, how do the things change and what do you focus on? Cause I feel like you could talk about food and use it in marketing and get people real excited <laughs> all day, every day, all day, every day. I would say seasonality is super important. Um, especially in geeky communication, government communications world, specifically in Oregon, because they do get super wet in the fall and in the winter time. So right now in the summer, There's lots of street improvements, capital improvement projects that involve turning earth and turning dirt 
once it gets rainy every day, it's really difficult to get a construction crew out. It's really difficult to lay asphalt. Mm. So I've learned that right now it is hot and heavy construction, pavement, capital improvement world. And then come winter, fall, it's a little more emergency management. And then woven throughout, you know, um, is your average like, hey, the pool's going to have some recreation programming or we have a ton of historic homes. They're open and they do some special openings in the um, during uh, Christmas time. Gosh, I couldn't get that word out um, for the Christmas holidays. So it is really cool to have a seasonal calendar that we can tell different stories and then kind of weave in the cons- consistencies, which would totally be like food, scenery. Gosh, isn't this place gorgeous? Don't you just love living here? Kind of messaging. I love it. So since I am goshing, I wish I could at least visit there, maybe not live there. Um, could you <laughs> tell us and our listeners where they can find out more about the city? Sure. So orcity.org is our city's website. And our downtown just won the Great American Main Street Award this year, which is super exciting. Congratulations. Um, So downtownorgancity.org, I think, is the website. Oh, gosh, I don't have it up in front of me. But there's always um, amazing things to do. And it's super cool. Oregon City has the only vertical street in the United States. And it's an elevator. (laughs) Oh, interesting. Okay, tell us a little bit about that. (laughs) So it's the best nine-second ride you'll ever have in your life. Um, (laughs) It takes you from downtown Oregon City to the um, upper level of the city. The city has like three levels. It's just really beautiful. You guys have to come and visit So typically, if you can't find parking on the downtown level, you can go to the upper level, take an elevator down. But this elevator is always manned and staffed, so you don't have to press the button yourself by a delightful attendant that can kind of is is kind of your tour guide for the day. So they can tell you where to go, what their dinner recommendations are. Um, And then also on the top of the hill. There's plenty of restaurants or libraries up here. All of the historic, not all, but a majority of the historic properties that you can go in and tour are in the upper portion um, of Oregon City. So there's fun on the top of the elevator and also on the bottom of the elevator. Awesome. <laughs> Intriguing. I know. Vertical street. Is it open 24 <laughs> hours? Or is it just like a nine to five situation? Yeah, they do have business hours. It's 7 a.m. to I think in the summer we're up to 9 p.m. The county courthouse is also in downtown. So it's a fabulous mix of coming down here and you see people dressed, lawyers dressed to the nines, three-piece suits with families who are going to explore some of the ice cream shops or soda shops or whatever to, you know, a younger crowd um, that's going to the comic book store and the the nickel and dime store. It's just a really, it's a cool feel and a cool vibe that 
we've got going on down here. Scarlett, when are we going to um, go visit? I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> ladies, please. Clearly we should go during the summer so that we could get blackberries and before it gets rainy. Um, <laughs> although you did <laughs> right. right. tomorrow. Hour. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. I my calendar's clear, ladies. Come on. <laughs> Actually, one of my favorite stories about you, Kristen, is when we did the site visit in Round Rock and you went like all out camp counselor on us. <laughs> so I know if we visited, you would take care of us. You know you would get that free nine second ride on that elevator from this girl right here. I know it. And we would have a binder with our itinerary and a bag mm-hmm. of candy and swag. I love welcoming people. It's the Southern lady in me. Like I am truly an 80 year old little woman at heart. And I want you to have cookies and iced tea and just to, you know, have a great time. Yeah. Well, it was great. (laughs) You kept coming back. So I guess we did something right. It worked. Kristen, thank you so much for joining us today. It's awesome to learn a little yeah, more about thank Morgan you guys. City. This is so much fun. I love talking to you. You two are my favorite unicorns, and I'm just honored <laughs> oh, to, to be on your podcast. Yeah, well, this was fantastic. All right. Well, thanks for joining us for another episode of Campaigns and Confetti. Uh, we hope today's chat has really helped you learn about vertical streets um, and, and the fact that blackberry bushes are invasive. All sorts of interesting things coming out of this one. Um, thanks for joining us. And until next time. Thanks so much for joining the Campaigns and Confetti podcast, a production of Rhyme and Reason Design. 